Hello, my name is Micah Peters and I'm a staff writer with The Ringer and this is a special edition of the Channel 33 podcast. I'm here with rapper Vic Mensa. How you doing today, man? Yo, what's up? So, around the release of the manuscript, you went to Real Talk 92.3 and you were talking about the upcoming album, the autobiography, out on Friday, July 28th. And you said that it was going to be more personal. And on the first song which samples uh, this Durando record called Didn't I, which I only know that because I saw it in a Breaking Bad episode. I think that's where the producer, <laughs> Smoko Ono, saw it too. Seriously? Yeah. That one scene where he like puts the thing in the, in the hood of the car. I haven't seen the scene. You haven't seen it? I knew the song already because my boys, the Omis, a really dope band from Chicago, mm-hmm. that's the version that you hear right at the beginning of the record. They've been playing that song you know, for like 10 years in their live concerts. So that's how I knew of the song. I always thought it was their song, actually. Oh, really? Yeah. What did it, but so did, was it Smokey that told you that it was actually Durando that sang it? I mean, I wasn't surprised, you know, because I kind of thought it could be a cover, but I had never heard the original, I don't think. I think I'd only heard their version. And uh, when I came back and they had the, they had the beat going, Smoke going, Poppy Beats, I was just like, oh, we got to get the Omaz version because, you know, They've been playing this song forever. So my boy Carter Lang, who also worked on the song, didn't I? And is in the band, Oh Mys, was mm-hmm. able to find like an ill live recording of them doing it. And uh, I thought it was like a perfect opening to the song. Yeah, absolutely. You talk a lot about like near escapes on this album. Um, and also a lot about your mental state at various points uh, throughout your life. I mean, it's very brave in that regard, especially with the fact that pride is kind of the primary ethos in rap music and depression is still somewhat stigmatized, except for like, say, say in 2014, you had Earl Sweatshirt, Kendrick, Future, Heems, all rapping about depression, stewarding the idea at some length on their albums. Uh, Like take, for instance, Codeine Crazy is not a song for happy people. It's one of my favorite songs by Future, man. That is my favorite Future song, yeah. Yeah. So who are you on this, on the autobiography? Because you've been a several different people in the couple last couple of years. I'm just me on the autobiography. And that's why it's the autobiography. Mm-hmm. You know, in all the years from making the internet tape while I was making that up until I made the autobiography, uh, I was going so many different places, you know, first of all, because I was growing up and kind of trying to find myself, but I was also like deeply dependent on drugs mm-hmm. and in a really dark place for basically the whole time. You know, um, I could be a pretty dark person, but you multiply that with like serious substance abuse. And um, oftentimes a, a person can forget who they are. That's really what happened to me. So I'm progressively coming into more and more attention and uh, notoriety and more money while also kind of straying further away from who I am and what I believe in. So I'm out here in Europe, you know, like wild and out performing for thousands of people 
doing music that I just don't believe in, you know? Mm-hmm. I just didn't want to say I feel that. I, it, I was empty. I was empty making that music, and I was just, like, having a lot of trouble seeing the sun and feeling a loss of responsibility to the bigger ideas that that really define me as a person. I, I'm I'm a person that I was reading Malcolm X and Huey Newton when I was 16. My first tattoo is Free Huey and a Black Panther on my shoulder, you know? Mm-hmm. I was reading Michio, Ka- Michio Kaku String Theory when I was 17. Mm-hmm. And I just, I'm a thinker, you know? And I came into rap to make people think. So as I started to kind of come into some fame or whatever you would call it and uh and a lot of fucking drugs and just like depression mm-hmm. the music strayed away from my home territory which is like real honest thoughtful music and I stopped doing drugs I, I had a girlfriend I have a girlfriend that you know was selfless enough to look past all of the pain that I had caused her from a place of pain myself to push me to get better, you know, and make me fucking talk to a therapist and, you know, seek real help. And I quit doing drugs. I was like January 2016. Mm-hmm. And fast, like five days later, you know, February 2016 is when I started writing this album. Mm-hmm. And it all started to come back to me. You know, I, I, I was like forgetting that it was possible to wake up in the morning not thinking about how much I dread go like being on earth another day or go to sleep without thinking about killing myself, you know? I forgot that it was possible to not be 24-7 suicidal. And when I stopped doing drugs and, and you know, went to therapy and and psychiatry, I found focus again, clarity, just to be just me, writing these songs with no with no external influence, no weed, no fucking alcohol. I wrote this entire album like 100% sober and just came back to being myself, you know? Felt like me again. I didn't mm-hmm. feel like me when I was when I was so dark yeah. and like just kind of making pointless music. I didn't feel like myself. I felt like really weird, really strange. And so to answer your question though, who I am on this album, you know, clearly it's just me being me because I didn't make up any of these stories. I'm just telling the truth of of my stories. So I guess it's up to somebody else who listens to it to decide who I am. But I, I'm going to tell you how I became the way I am mm-hmm. and what happened. Yeah. You do face a lot of those things very directly. Like, say, speaking to the drug addiction, like, directly on uh Spread your wings, I think it was. Yeah, um, wings. Yeah. There's just like this radical honesty on the album. Like say, for instance, Heaven on Earth, uh, where you talk about the killing of your friend from three different perspectives. Yours, your friends from from heaven, and the killers, which I thought was remarkable. I mean, like, how do you go through that? Like, what was what is the process of writing a song like that? You know, that song was really easy to write, actually, because once I got to this point where I started writing this album, it all just started coming out of me. It, it, it had been repressed in me for so long. I remember I had a conversation with my therapist uh, a couple months before I started writing the album. Mm-hmm. The album's writing took place between 
February 2016 and February 2017, basically. Mm -hmm. I was having a conversation with my therapist maybe in uh, even maybe the summer before that mm. or or it might have been January. It might have been cold outside. I can't remember, but it was before February 2016. And I had an album that I was working on. It was called Traffic. And I was telling him, like, man, I can't fucking, I can't do this this album, man. It's fucking dark and it's guilty and it's uh, so self-loathing and just like it was wh where I was at, you know, it was like where I was at. And I was like, I want to make, um, you know, and we're walking down the street and there was like some girl that maybe I liked her or I saw her and she said something to me. It was just some like small, you know, get a girl's number on the street thing or whatever. And it was just like some fucking charismatic, like me as a person. I was like, yo, I want to make music like that. Like fucking like me as a person. Like I'm a funny person. Like I'm, I'm passionate. I'm emotional. So I could be dark as fuck, mm -hmm. but I could also be, you know, very buoyant and alive and shit. And, uh, I was like, I got, I, I, it's killing me inside that I'm, that my music doesn't reflect me as a person. Mm -hmm. And, um, so once I got to the point of February 2016 where I had cut the drugs out of my life and I was really like taking care of myself, all of these stories just started coming out of me. So I had had a, a concept for a while to make a song that the concept I, I had written down was Conversations with Dare because Dare is Cam, who is the man killed in heaven on earth. Mm -hmm. And um, when I started writing a song, I heard the beat from Smoko and Poppy Beats and I heard the sample and it said, this could be heaven right here on earth. And I was like, immediately I knew that this was the canvas for that concept. And when I write songs, I'm like really tense and shit. So I'm just like chain smoking cigarettes, like pacing back and forth in this room and mm -hmm. I don't write things down. But I wrote that song really fast just because it had to come out of me, you know? And then I, I had the first two verses and I showed it to my girlfriend and she was like, you should do a third verse from the perspective of the killer, which was just a ill fucking idea, you know? Yeah, you never really <coughs> hear people getting like you. I mean, the my dead friend is speaking back to me from beyond the grave thing is a thing that happens fairly often in rap. But like you rarely ever see the person on the other side of the gun humanized in that way, I guess. I think that. A major thing about this album and a major emotion that I wanted to convey was empathy. Mm. I believe that that's what's missing. You know, that's the missing link right now in humanity. And the reason why we're experiencing such turmoil and widespread just chaos and destruction and hatred is because human beings in all societies are being misled to identify more with their differences than their similarities. And like being spun around and having a veil put over their eyes so they don't see another man of another color or another creed as alike to them and as a brother and empathize with their pain. So when I wrote that third verse, I wanted to explore what could be happening in this man's life that took him, that pushed him to take my man's life. You know, because the violence in Chicago is often simplified into 
just numbers, statistics, and savage black people out of control, you know? Basically, in that third verse, I wanted to humanize the killer, man. You know, you never you never think about it like that. Like, the way that we're given the news is always like this mean man in a mugshot, you mm. know? Mm. And at the end of the day, inside that mean man, like somewhere there's like a hurt, scared little boy. And I wanted to explore that that hurt, scared, desperate part of my friend's killer to be able to forgive, man, you know, and move past it because that's what we can't do yeah. is like fucking, that, that's, that's honestly the situation in Chicago. And a lot of people don't realize is that you have this vicious cycle because there's bodies behind it. And like, he will never stop hating them because they killed his brother. Mm. And I don't want to be chained to hatred. I don't want to have to hate this man because he killed my big brother. And I, I don't want to have that burden on my back. So I want to see, you know, what's human about him. So maybe I could get past it. I could let it go. Mm. And that's what the song Heaven on Earth was for me. Mm. That is a lot. But just to give the listeners a sense of this, it's not like completely morbidly serious all the way throughout. Like you have, like you have fun on the record. Like, I, like you have a lot of fun. Like it seems like you have the most fun rapping on uh, OMG with Pusha T. Um, I mean, like it's this kind of a beat that Pharrell pulled from like his gangster girls days. It's like Word very up. like it has the, the low growling guitar riff. Mm -hmm. And I mean, like you're talking about hopping out of foreign cars with dirty vans and stuff like that. Was that just, you know, I'm having, I just was having fun in the studio and this happened or? Um, well, I made OMG and Wings like basically in the same session with Pharrell. Mm -hmm. One day we, one day we made OMG and then the next day we made Wings. So really of all the music that he played me the first day, that was just the one I gravitated to the most. There was another record we were messing around with, but then my man Malik Youssef came in the studio and I was like, you know, listen to this verse that I just wrote for this one. And it was cool, but I, I wasn't really into it. And then I had the other beat, though. You know, I had them both on the drive and I was like, all right, listen to this one. And it came on. It's so Wu-Tang and it's like so just gully. And he was like, what? You know, we got to do that one. Um, <laughs> and like then, you know, was on concrete. Yeah, just started spitting and, and just having fun with it. And, uh, you know, I like, I'm a lyricist, honestly. Mm -hmm. And that's like what's enjoyable for me is putting it together. That's like the most fun that I could have. And so I wanted to include that song as a bonus track on the album, but not on the album proper because the actual album, I felt every every song had to be a part of the, the, the narrative, narrative, you know, because yeah. it's like... It references itself and it's, you know, really living, breathing and it's a journey. And I wanted to make sure that I stayed within that journey. And I didn't I didn't pick my head up and I wasn't really I wasn't there as a rapper so much as I was there, like as an author, just observing my own life and speaking about it. I didn't want to be there as like a, you know, materialistic, like I'm fucking 
doing these things. I got bitches and, you know, <laughs> and all the things that I eloquently say and oh my goodness. Yeah. Like those, that's not the concept or the content for this album. Yeah. The album, like just to make a plaintive statement, just sounds really good. Um, Thank you, you man. No ID a lot. On yeah. It, right. What was, what, what was the process like? Man? <clears throat> no ID. I chased no ID down. I was like, <laughs> like, let's not even act like this was an easy thing. I was like, no ID, you're going to produce this shit. You're going to executive produce this shit. And I chased him down for some months. Mm. No ID is like the sculptor, you know? Mm-hmm. It's like I draw the blueprint mm-hmm. and find the stones and bring them to no ID. And he's like chipping away and then but he'll leave he'll just do an outline and be like okay now fill in the face you know yeah but no id really helped me make it a cohesive album and focus not dwell too much on any particular part of the story you know there were a lot more records there were other records that were also autobiography records and and really spoke to things but maybe i i doubled up on certain parts of the concept and uh, and kind of took it places that I didn't need to within this idea. And No ID was very instrumental in telling me everything he didn't like. <laughs> you know what I mean? It took a long time before he even liked anything. But, um, but you know. <laughs> like you come to an idea and he's like, uh, no, I don't but like it's that. It's for one. the best. It's for the best, really. Um, and, and, and honestly, like No ID's approach is just. It's scientific, you know. I mean, it's also very passionate and, and emotional and just and uh, heartfelt. But it comes with a lot of information. You know, the way that like a piano player can sit down at the keys and just improvise, but does know the scales of fifths and uh, diminished and dominant and mm-hmm. augmented. You know, they know these things. They Technical might not terms. sit, right? They yeah. they might not sit down and fucking like think about it. Mm-hmm. But that's how no idea is with production is that, you know, he, he goes off of a feeling and an energy, but, you know, he knows about like changing. We changed certain songs like Rolling Like a Stoner used to be I feel like the music sounded like kind of, it was like more rocky. It sounded a little bit like like some Kid Cudi or something. Mm. And he was like, we should change that to the relative minor and switch it. He completely remade the beat. It was 100% a different beat. And he was like, we should take the relative minor key and make this darker and speed it up a little bit. And Didn't I was a record that had like hip hop drums. And he was like, we should take this halftime. So it's just like approaching the songs as a song. You know, I I think in hip hop, producer often gets thought of as just like a guy that like bangs on a drum machine and then leaves it leaves right. the room and then yeah. a rapper comes in and raps and that's it but our process was a lot more collaborative and um very musical you know there's a lot of uh a lot of instrumentation on this album um pretty much all the synthesizers and stuff is like real outboard shit and you know just messing around having fun with pedals and like he's a gearhead like no ID has all the fucking He's got all the Rollins, he got all the Juno, Jupiters, Moogs, and Oberheims, and fucking every all single. Stuff. He's got 
every single box. You know what I mean? Like every box, keyboard, and instrument. And uh, so not only did he bring a critical and um, reimaginative, imaginative is a word, so maybe reimaginative <laughs> perspective just to- Just bringing fresh eyes to yeah, the same problem. And, and he also brought just like all the fucking tools, yeah. you know, and the and the players. Well, I mean, like, you know, there's not really too many better people to have when you are trying to convey a point clearly and effectively. And he's from the south side of yeah. Chicago, yeah. you know? So it's like we speak the same language. And um, and really, he's like one of my biggest influences anyway because Common was my favorite rapper growing up. So one day it'll all make sense and Resurrection and Can I Borrow a Dollar. Um, those Those are my motherfucking joints. What um, else were you listening to when you were while you were during the recording process? Oh, uh, while I was recording this album, um, well, when I was dealing with a bunch of sh- just drama, street shit in Chicago, like in the middle of it, I was listening to Straight Mob Deep, just like mm. on repeat. Marvin Gaye, What's Going On? Uh, That's definitely yeah. Marvin <laughs> Gaye, What's Going On is a record that I was listening to a lot. I was uh. I was listening to some Frank Sinatra and Stevie Wonder. Um, Hove, definitely listening to Hove. Definitely listening to my beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy. Nas, Illmatic. Mm. Yeah. Prince. Ty Dolla Sign, um, Free TC. We were definitely listening to um, to Horses in the Stable. You know I was written by a woman? By my homegirl, Tish. Tish Yeah, Tish is my girl. I love Tish, man. She's so dope. She's amazing. Well, I appreciate you taking this time out today to talk to me. Thank you, man. This has been a special edition of the Channel 33 podcast on the Ringer Podcast Network. My name is Micah Peters. I'm a staff writer with the Ringer. And this has been Vic Mensa, rapper from Chicago. His album, The Autobiography, is out this Friday, July 28th. Go listen to that. 